Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and this is Things That Make You Go Hmm. This is your podcast to help you make the most of the wisdom and experience that comes with getting that little bit older. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome. I'm here today again with the bare-faced Ryan. Hi, I shaved it off. You look about 10 years younger, but at least you don't look like a 70s porn star. Well, mildly rude, but I'll accept it. I had a small child at work come up to me after I'd shaved it off and ask, in all honesty, if I'd got new teeth because he could see that something was different and he couldn't figure out that it was the beard. And I said, obviously, to be funny, I said, yes. And he said, good, you needed them. So I'm beginning to doubt a lot of my facial features <laughs> so yeah I, I was, for people who haven't known me for very long I actually got my teeth straightened I had braces and everything when I was how old was I about 51 52 yeah. and before then my eye teeth really dropped down a lot more than they do now and one of Jamie's friends, when they were quite young, like six or seven, he, I could see him standing there looking at me with this really confused expression on his face. I said, are you okay? Are you a vampire? And I said, yeah. How did you guess? Mm. And he said, it's those teeth. I said, okay, but can we just keep it between me and you? Because I don't <laughs> want to scare anybody. <laughs> I do love kids. They're great. So. Such a simple worldview. Someone's got the pointy teeth, they're a vampire. No further questions needed. <laughs> I think it's quite fun. I'm reading this book at the moment called mm. Am I Normal by a woman called Sarah Cheney, who it turns out is a professor of the history of medicine, among other things, mm. at University College in London. Very, very clever lady. But I'm kind of not sure what the topic is today. I just know I want to explore this topic of normal because it really, I've read the book once, I'm on my second reading, which is really unusual because I never read nonfiction books twice, but this Mm. is really fascinating. And she goes through all aspects. So apparently there was no such thing as normal until 200 years ago. So people may have compared themselves to other people in, say, a fisherman in in a Cornwall village, that was an example that she used, might have compared himself to another fisherman in the same Cornish village or another Cornish village to go, oh, am I doing okay or not? How am I going compared to him? But they would never have used the word normal. And normal actually first came into being It was actually an astronomer, believe it or not, who plotted the first bell curve. You've probably heard of this. Ah, the bell curve. And then he decided, he got out of astronomy for reasons that I can't remember, and then he decided he measured 2,000 Scottish Army uh, personnel and plotted them all on a graph and said this is the normal This is the normal shape of people. That's normal. Mm. Then 
there's so many different topics she covers. It's really fascinating. And then, so we had this, we started to have this idea of normal. And then do you know where the BMI measurement comes from? It actually dates back to 1830 or 50 something. And somebody measured, did a load of measurements. I can't remember who it was, did a load of measurements. And he said he wanted to work out it was a body mass, but that wasn't what he was doing it for. He worked out that a healthy person, a man, weighed between 50 kilos and 100 kilos, and a healthy woman weighed between 40 kilos and 90 kilos, and they were between these heights. So there was no normal. That was just this is the range of people, and you'll get more people in the middle on a bell curve and and fewer at the ends, you know, Mm -hmm. but nobody, there was no measure of obesity or healthiness from it. That came in 1972 when two American guys decided that this whole thing could be used to measure health and when you were healthy. And back in the 70s, the healthy BMI was between, I think, 22 and 30-something, whereas now it's between 18 and a half and 25. So we've actually gone down the scale. But one of the things the original guy said that when he did the original measurements was people get larger as they get older. That is the way it's supposed to go. But if we look at the BMI that they use nowadays, I can see you yawning. Am I boring you or is this just a um, day? I legit was not yawning. Please continue. <laughs> but I'm going to now because you pointed it out and I'm just thinking about yawning. <laughs> um, and Yeah, the BMI they use nowadays is as you get older, your BMI, your healthy BMI mm. should actually reduce because you don't have the bone and the muscle density to stay in that healthy range. So as you get older, your BMI should actually go down. So I've been trying, now I'm a size eight, maybe a 10, if I'm not doing enough exercise. I'm over my optimum BMI as a size eight to 10. Mm. So I weigh around about 60 kilos, 168 centimetres, and that is overweight. That is above my optimum BMI mm. so it's really fascinating how and, and the one the thing she looks at is how we've used normal to give society's expectations and we use it in particular as white middle-class men are the optimum they are the normal people regardless uh, <laughs> agreed just gonna <laughs> <laughs> Because in all of these studies, that was the only thing that they used. Yeah. White middle class men, or in the initial one, white middle class women as well. And then, but as it's gone on, um, it's been white middle class men, not Asian, Hispanic, African, American, English, no, white middle class males. It's it's interesting, isn't it? I, I've always hated BMI. I had read myself a few months ago, maybe a year ago, that 
these are the reasons that BMI is just terrible. Because I've always, since I've reached my, you know, adult body, I've always been over the optimum BMI, regardless of what weight I am, even when I was at my lowest weight. Really? Still over. Yeah. Shocking, isn't it? Because I'm, you know, at rest, at, a, at my normal kind of weight, I'm quite healthy. I'm pretty slim. Yeah. I think it's muscle mass because I naturally wear a, quite a lot of muscle on, on my shoulders. But, you know, I weigh generally around 71, 72 at a healthy kind of body. But, for instance, one of the guys that I'm working with now, he's of Kenyan descent. He's actually a Kiwi, but he's of Kenyan descent. But he's a solid six foot two, and he weighs about the same that I do because he's just skin and bone, basically. Mm. And it's just, you know, when you compare two people of, of vastly different body weights, like we're not even getting into gender differences here, but like how can a single scale, it's not even three-dimensional, which gets me, but how can a single scale be representative of that kind of stuff? Um, no wonder it's, it's terrible. But you did, you did touch on bell curves, and one of my great loves is the bell curve. Ladies and gentlemen, the bell curve is just the epitome of modern biostatistics. <laughs> and we love biostatistics in this house. I love it. I will bring the bell curve out for literally anything. Sometimes Joe will be like, I wonder why this happens more than this. And I'll be like, ah, Joe, it's bell curves. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> we but love that, bell curves. <laughs> that's different because you're using bell curves as they were intended, which is yeah. a statistical measurement or a statistical yeah. guideline not used to define normal no normal's a fun one because i personally never looked up the definition of normal or when it came into being but my guess would have been that as the population grew and as we're surrounded by people that we don't know we can't ourselves have a track of the people around us to determine whether or not they are comparable to us it's like you were saying about the fishermen you know if we live in a big city most people don't know their neighbors very well let alone their co-workers let alone the people who live around them who shop in the same shops as them whereas if you live in a little cornish village population 123 you will know everyone so you don't need a definition of normal because there's no normal once you know everyone you realize there's no such thing as normal like you can say well i reckon the average weight is this, but that's very different to saying the normal weight. Even statistics says that. You've got the mode, the mean, and the, the median. There's three different words that mean normal. But there is no normal, right? But we, no. I mean, how much of our lives are spent trying to be normal? It's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? And because I, I've said yeah. to you all for years, when you were going through all your teenage angst, guys just... Be weird. Just be happy being weird. And you rebelled against that. But eventually you kind of went with that and stopped trying to be normal. Normal. <laughs> well, it really is sold to us on a kind of a bell curve idea, which I, as, as a fan of bell curves, I hate that because the concept that they push on you really is that in the middle of the bell curve, you're fine. But the further away from normal you travel, the more wrong you are. There is an epitome human being, rich white men. And if you're further away from that, 
you you know you may as well not exist honestly or vote just you know it's a sideline to that <laughs> yeah that's true I hadn't even <laughs> thought of that I, w- I was going to say in the early 50s some I think it was an insurance company or somebody did a load of statistical measurements of people so body measurements height mm. weight all the different things and in the early 50s somebody ran a a competition to find the average American woman. Well, of course, she was going to be white because they'd only measured white people. There were 2,000, and she was also young, between 18 and 24. And there were 2,000 women who sent in their measurements, and not one of them was actually average on everything. There was one woman and they called, they nicknamed this average model Norma. There was Norman and Norma. And they nicknamed this woman Norma. And Mm. she was the closest to normal, average woman, American woman, which was also white and 22 years old. I find that very interesting. If I were to guess the average human and by average, I mean like yeah, literally statistically average. Yep. It would be probably Southeast Asian, possibly trending Indian woman between 30 and 45 would be my statistical guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's so. Isn't it? Yeah. It's. It's just that book is mind-blowing because it's making me reassess everything, even down to shoe sizes. Like the author, she has big feet for a woman. She's a a British size 9, which is, I think, a 10 or 11 in Australia. Mm. And she struggles to find shoes. Why? (laughs) Apparently the average shoe size, she's English, the average shoe size in the UK has increased by two shoe sizes in the last 50 years. But the shoe shops are still stocking the smaller sizes. They haven't actually increased the size range that they do. We're a bit different. As Australians, we tend to be taller and have bigger feet. A thought has just occurred to me, and it's because of the shoe thing, because I personally know that shoe quality has gone down since the advent of mass production, like uh, cloth quality, for instance. The quality of cloth that you can make on a loom far exceeds anything that anyone will be wearing on average. Like you can get a really, really rich person who might have something of that quality. But loom cloth is of high enough quality that it, it puts anything in my wardrobe to shame because this is all mass produced. And the same with shoes. People have more feet issues now Because when you were making shoes before the advent of of factories and things, you made them for a particular person's, their personal measurement. Whereas that obviously doesn't happen now because who cares about the average person? But I think that's a good point. Mass production will have not helped with that. In fact, it might have actively contributed to the growth of the idea of normal, wouldn't it? When you are dealing with, people as a number it's far easier to say all right let's produce more of this this is the bell curve let's produce more of this and not focus on the wings those higher or lower levels of of the statistical curve which of course 
Think yeah, of it right. in medical terms as well, because there was no normal until less than 100 years ago. And we decided that, that uh, there was sickness, don't get me wrong, there was sickness and there was health or mm. illness. There was wellness and illness. And, but there was no normal. But how often do we go, oh, my God, I've got this wrong with me. Is that normal? We've changed the whole thing, but doctors didn't think of normal. What started it was babies. They started measuring babies and they started labelling it as normal and not normal. I don't know about the measurement of babies. I, I think I know, I think I've read that, for instance, royal babies have been weighed and measured for quite a long time. Measuring the population. I know for a fact that people like like humans were hardwired to seek answers to things. It's one of the reasons we're so successful as a species. So we try to find answers and patterns where they can't be measured or foreseen. The very commonly used option in psychology is astrology. I'm not looking to bang on anyone here. That's just the option they use because it is the direct relationship between what happens millions of light years away to what happens on on the ground there is no logical consistency between those two ideals but we use it to determine patterns of personality of fate of things like that we search for direct connections between things and so when you do start measuring people which would happen as the quality of life increases and you want to know you apply what happens first to royal babies to the entire population then we think is there a connection between the size of the baby and their success physically as a human being? And then we think, oh, you know, a taller person is going to naturally be stronger, faster, able to reach high shelves. We want that, obviously. It reminds me of phrenology. You know phrenology? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the benefit of the audience, phrenology is the member is sorry the measurement of the bumps of the skull and the angles of the face in order to determine your personality, the end and, result of which and sorry, your aptitude to being a criminal, yes, your propensity. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they did at the Geelong Jail was when they hanged people, they would do they would make a death mask, which is a plaster cast of the head, and then they would use that to take the average measurements of people who committed various crimes and determine whether or not you could see from someone's face whether or not they were going to be more likely to commit a certain crime. I'm sure you can see the issues with this from a human rights perspective, which is obviously why it never really took off. But those patterns we like and patterns require a a base point, a normal or an average. Well, yeah, average. An average. They require an average point, not yeah. necessarily a normal point. No, and that's the difference. That's it, it's the normal, I suppose, thinking my way through it now, is the meaning that we've added to it. So average is therefore normal. And if you're mm. not average, you're not normal. And there's a whole raft of meaning that comes with normal. Well, it's a whole raft of meaning for me that comes with average. I absolutely do not want to be average ever or normal. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) 
few things going on for me there. <laughs> I, I have, I, a, yeah. I don't know if you remember, about five, maybe six years ago, I put a post up on social media pointing out that I like to move houses every two or three years. I like mm. the change of energy. It gives me, I'm doing something new. I get to throw a load of things out and buy a load of new things and all the rest of that kind of thing. And I put a post up on social media about that. And this psychologist in the States, never spoken to them before, then never commented on any of my stuff, but obviously saw it, commented, she diagnosed me with ADHD. It was a long post or a long answer, public answer to my post diagnosed me with ADHD, told me that I needed to go to my doctor and ask for this specific tablet, put me on this level of it, that I could refer them to her if I needed to. Because once I was on this medication, I would then be normal and I'd be happy. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Where do you want to begin? Look, at first I was really quite disturbed by it mm. on several levels. Like, why didn't you one first off why didn't why did you respond publicly like that's mm. completely unacceptable but mm. let's then move on to the content of it who are you to assume that from what i've said i'm unhappy i was telling you it's stuff that made me happy and then we move on to why would i want to be drugged out of my brain and not be myself in an attempt to be normal. Mm. That was what disturbed me ultimately the most was the assumption that because I was the way I am, I shouldn't be that way. There was something wrong with me and I needed to take drugs in order to be normal. You're going to have another take on it. What is it? I, I do. And I mean no offense by this, but it has nothing to do with you whatsoever. I hope that's okay. <laughs> it's because I know quite a few people who have what I will term abnormal psychology. I, I work in the theater. We always pick up the fringes of society, always have. So I know quite a few people, for instance, who have ADHD or autistic tendencies or BPD. And BPD, bipolar or, disorder, or borderline personality disorder. So I'm, I'm, and I, you know, I know, I know a few other people with more long-term mental illnesses as well, like schizophrenia. And a lot of the people that I know who have these, who have been diagnosed with these issues, do take drugs in the long term for them. And one of the things they don't really discuss too much or enough really when I studied psychology was the fact that most abnormal psychology issues 
are a direct result of the fact that our environment is hostile to a lack of normality. A normal person, we are told, can function in the world that we have built without issue. Every normal person can function without issue. If you have an issue, you're not normal and there's something wrong with you. I don't personally believe that a person with ADHD or, or autism or BPD has anything wrong with them. They're just in the wrong environment. <laughs> there's a kid's book series called, I've got it on my shelf, it's called Percy Jackson, right? It's, it's like an American Harry Potter, I suppose. But one of the things that it deals with is that it's the, the descendants of the ancient Greek heroes, right? That's the idea. And they all have ADHD, which is the reason being that the author wanted to comfort his son, I believe, who had ADHD and felt that he was abnormal. And the reason the book says that people have ADHD is because they were born to be in battle. ADHD allows you to react to things much faster, change environments a lot, go back to a world in which your environment is constantly changing in which you're dealing with new people, new situations all the time. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that if you wanted to, to fit in to a world that is hostile to that psychology, you might have to take drugs in order to stop feeling that the world is hostile to you. It's like the rat test, not the... Not the, you know, the not the COVID rat test. They did a test on, on drugs on rats. It's long term. We're talking about 30 years. And one of the big parts of it was that they would give rats two water bottles, one with heroin and one with water, right? One of the things that they found very, very early on is, of course, the rats loved the heroin water and would drink it constantly until they died. And then one of them said, hang on, we're only testing this on rats in isolation in a boring cage. So they put the rats... Firstly, with other rats, which decreased the amount of heroin, heroin use. And then they put them in a, in a rat cage that they, they playfully dubbed rat heaven, which was filled with colorful slides and balls and bells and whistles and other rats to play with and make babies with and all sorts of things. And the use of the heroin water decreased to almost nothing. Now, it's a case study, of course, in, in the, the abuse of recreational drugs, but I think that it applies a lot to the the use of drugs to on abnormal psychology at all. Abnormal psychology is just psychology that doesn't fit happily into the world that we've constructed, which, let's be honest, has a lot of problems with it. Like tech school. You mm. stick a bunch of kids into an indoor room for hours at a time and try to squeeze knowledge into their brains, and no wonder <laughs> so many of them are diagnosed with ADHD and autism and things like that because... I mean, you know, maybe, sure, they do fit the, the diagnoses for those things. But isn't that a hostile environment to any human being? Isn't that a ridiculous thing to do to people? In a lot of parts of the world, 300 years ago, that would be considered torture. And so that word right. keeps coming up, abnormal. And one of the points she makes in the book is that we use the word normal to make people comply. Yeah, we do. That's the that's the abnormal psychology thing. Yeah. She was saying that when psychologists start trying to define a particular 
personality type or personality disorder, they start finding it everywhere, including in themselves. Mm. It's confirmation bias. happens all the time. Mm. It's what we were saying. People look for patterns. You look for those things. It's one of the things they warn you about in first year psychology. They're like, we're going to be learning all about this. You don't have them. If you think you do have them by the end of this year, then go and see a medical professional. But you will look for patterns and you will find them. (laughs) (laughs) In which case is that, I mean, quite obviously there are some people who are sick mentally and physically, but is there a normal? What we were told, again, in psych, is that a person's diagnosable with abnormal psychology if they cannot function you're gonna hate this if they cannot function normally that that was legit what we were told yeah if you can't function normally in your job in your home life in your when you go out to the shops then you have a psychological issue but what's normal well that's it isn't it what is normal for me and how my day looks and the way I think is not normal for your dad. It's not normal for my next door neighbor. It's not normal for anybody else, but it works for me. And I think a lot of the time, particularly with that definition, now that I think about it, the definition that we all individually come up with is make the fewest issues for everyone else. Which, honestly, having dealt with the public, and I'm sure, listeners, you'll, you'll be with me on this, most people absolutely make issues for everyone else. That's all we ever do. We can't stop. But that's kind of, that's our measure of normal. Are we creating an issue for people? Are we being a problem? Are we a problem person? Are you a problem person? Well, I can be Karen. <laughs> <laughs> with bells I on. I think that's so... <laughs> interesting isn't it Mm -hmm. people who are problem people are bad people people Mm -hmm. who are quiet and nice and compliant are good people and normal people they're normal people this is actually this conversation is actually opening more questions than it's answering which is kind of what i expected and we need we do need to have a think about it and a a chat about it so that we can go deeper as well because it's the what it's opened my eyes to is how insidious and how all-encompassing this view of normal is our lives are run within what's normal. Am I the normal height? Am I the normal weight? Am I the normal kind of person? Am I normal psychologically? Am I doing a normal job? Am I, am I, everything's about being normal. Even if it's just, well, that's normal. I'm going to do something else. It is everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. And I hadn't realized how how our lives are dictated by that even down to we are normal people we are white middle class australians british american whatever we are white we're normal and we 
can, we've not got the experience beyond that because there's no other, that we're starting to move towards a different normal. But even in dress sizes, it's she sizes, it's, there's a difference, hair. It's interesting, isn't it? I, I think what we were talking about, about the gender conversation, how much of those social changes that are happening are a reaction to the concept of normal? If you fit people into a mold and the more people you try to squeeze in there, the more people will be left out of the mold, especially as the population grows, until they will try to change the definition of normal. I think that's very interesting. Thanks um, so much yeah. for that. No, you're very welcome. Thank you. We'll, we'll have to pick this back up in a later We session. definitely will. There's just so much to unpack in this topic. Mm. All right. Thank you. See you later, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends, please. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving with some great ideas that can make a difference in your everyday life. Until next time.